morning, everyone. Good morning. What a pleasure and a joy to be back with the Renew family once again. It's a blessing and so good to see all of you. And I, again, I'm just glad to be here, glad to be in the communion, the communion of the saints this morning. And um, before I go into uh, the message for this morning, you know, my heart is just really kind of saddened this week because um, not only because of the high profile people that passed away so uh, unexpectedly for, for all of us who are watching, uh, but just for those who are suffering every day in silence and maybe on the edge or the brink um, and we not even know it. And so my heart and my prayers are just going out to just everyone. And even if you're here among us this morning, I mean, we all go through tough things and, and, and there may be a moment or a moment or a long moment where we contemplate, you know, contemplate that maybe we're better off somewhere else rather than here. And um, God just placed a little song on my heart this morning. I just want to sing a little piece of it, if y'all don't mind. <clears throat> you just can't give up now. You've come too far from where you started Nobody told us that the road would be easy, but I don't believe God's brought you this far to leave you. Amen. Amen. So I pray that you will all hang on to that word this morning and this week. So let's get into the word today. Um, I am going to kind of, this message is kind of an extension of last week. <laughs> and I just really believe that God wants us to kind of shift our focus and kind of get our attention and, and on some, in, in the right places. And so um, we talked about the power of perception last week, but I want to talk about that again. But I want to talk about it with respect to discerning answered prayers discerning answered prayers because sometimes we can pray and pray and pray about a thing and God is standing there like, hello, tap, tap, tap. <laughs> I've already sent the answer. <laughs> and sometimes because of, there can be many things going on that we don't perceive that the answer's already with us, that God's already answered our prayers. And so I want to share a few things with you today about that. So let me start out by asking you, and this is, of course, a rhetorical question, but what are you praying for? What are you praying for? A solution to a problem that you can't seem to wrap your mind around? Maybe you want to know what God is calling you to do at this time in your life. Maybe you're looking for a financial strategy or in any other number of strategies. Well, what if I told you that Maybe God has already sent you the answer, but you just don't know it or realize it. And last week we talked about perception and how sometimes life throws things at us and it may seem like all the odds are stacked against us. But with God, remember, we are never outnumbered. 
And so this week I want to take this a little bit deeper and I want us to consider that maybe the answers we seek are right under our noses. And you know, God delights in answering prayer because God delights in communicating with us and God delights in graciously providing for us. And we know that God did not set us up in this life for us to ultimately fail. It's not saying that we don't have failures along the way or what I like to call teachable moments, right? But you were not born for your life to ultimately end up in disaster, right? I mean, think about it. The fact that you were even born is a miracle. There are some statistics that say that the odds of you being born are at least 1 in 400 trillion. Okay? So if you are born, Right? You are a miracle. So if you've never seen a miracle, look at yourself in the mirror. You are a miracle. So we know that if God doesn't set you up for, to, for your life to be one big failure, we know that God delights in answering prayer, then we're in pretty good shape. Right? But it doesn't always feel like it. Nights pacing the floor, unspoken worry and anxieties that we carry, saying, God, what do I do next? And so you may be here today waiting on an answer from God. And true enough, answers to prayers come in different times and in different ways. Sometimes God answers immediately. Sometimes our answers have to be worked out in stages in the course of time. Sometimes our prayers live on after we're gone and are fully answered in the lives of our descendants. I firmly believe that we are the result of somebody before us praying that we've never met. We are living on the benefits of their prayers. But if we can admit that we're human, we don't always get it. Sometimes we miss what God is saying or doing. And so I want to leave a few things with you, a couple of don'ts and a do. <laughs> that if, if you're waiting for a, an answer to prayer, consider this a checklist, right? To sort of take inventory of our lives and say, maybe that's a God moment. Or maybe this is someone that I need to pay attention to. And maybe this was a God encounter. So we heard from the text, and I didn't um, uh, submit the entire uh, pericope of the story, but we know that Peter, in the story, was arrested, right? He, by, uh, well, Herod uh, sent orders for him to be arrested, and uh, James, the brother of John, one of the sons of thunder, right, was just executed. I mean, come on, that's a major blow to the church. Right? Somebody who was one of Jesus's, not just one of the one of the twelve, but one of the inner circle, okay, is 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 gone. And now the second part of the inner circle is now in prison. And the Bible says that the people were praying earnestly for Peter while he was in jail. And guess what? God heard their prayers. God sent an angel, and I mean it, it tells that when you read the text, it talks about how Peter was chained up to other guards. I mean, he was in serious protective custody, right? <laughs> I mean, they had him, I mean, to make it that, you know, this guy can't get loose. Maybe they were still remembering the whole resurrection thing and how Jesus snuck out of there. <laughs> and so those, those soldiers said, oh, no, we're not letting this one get away. But he got away. <laughs> God sent an angel right in the middle of the night and said, hey, get up, time to go. <laughs> and Peter thought he was dreaming. He thought he 
was having a vivid dream and followed the angel. The angel took him out, out of the prison doors open, took him out to the middle of the street and said, all right, take it from here. <laughs> <laughs> and so at that moment, Peter figures out, hey, this is not a dream. I'm really loose. I'm really free. So he goes to the house of Mary, who is the mother of John Mark. Um, people, uh, scholars say that Mark, this is the same John Mark that perhaps penned the Gospel of Mark, okay, and is associated with uh, Peter as well as Paul. So, in any case, so he gets there and knocks on the door. And a young woman who is, and the NRSV version puts it mildly, calls her a maid. That's a nice way of saying she was a female. She really was a slave, okay. Uh, she answers the door, all right, and she is so excited that it's Peter. She recognizes his voice that she runs to go tell everybody that Peter is at the door, and she forgets to open the door for Peter because she's so excited. <laughs> so Peter's standing there at the door, <laughs> and they don't believe her. They don't believe her. They tell her that she's mad. That she's lost it. <laughs> that he really can't be standing at the door. And so I want us to just kind of learn some things from this interaction between Rhoda, which is her name, between Rhoda and the, the saints that are gathered. And they were gathered to get there together praying, all right? Praying presumably for Peter's release. So the first thing I want us to remember is don't miss what God is doing because it doesn't come in expected packaging. Don't miss what God is doing because it doesn't come in your expected or preferred packaging. <laughs> and so this is the part where we have to deal with the uncomfortable but glaring tension in the text here, right? That Jesus following, praying, all things in common sharing, almsgiving, preaching the word of God with boldness had slaves. And we know not just from more recent centuries, but in ancient times of slavery, we know it was no pretty business, right? A slave had no honor in the world, no real personhood, no autonomy. And yet we see here a glimpse, it's not, uh, it, we see a glimpse here of the church participating in this stain on human society. A church that was powerful, yet flawed, demonstrating the power of Christ but the frailty of being human and participating in a broken system at the same time. A system that allowed women like Rhoda to be overlooked, dismissed, and downright insulted. And in our text for today, even she was insulted by people who claimed the name of Jesus. So we can't nor should we overlook the reality of this moral and spiritual paradox in the text. Because we too find ourselves in conundrums that cause us to overlook or to shut out voices that God may be trying to use to give us the answer that we're seeking. So God has answered their prayer and so Rhoda goes and answers the door and they, they, they immediately tell her that she has lost it, that she's mad. And so this, the first thing they tell us she was mad. So was it because of the fact that she was a woman? Was it the fact, the fact that she was a, a servant or a slave that they were so dismissive? Probably a combination of both. We can remember Jesus' own disciples dismissing the testimony of the women who came back from the empty tomb, having to go see for themselves because they didn't believe. But Rhoda, they don't even address her by name. We only learn her name from the writer of Acts. And now they are calling her a mad woman when they are the ones with the problem. <laughs> and 
come in expected packaging. You know, God likes to work with unconventional packaging. God took a man with a speech impediment and made him a deliverer. His name was Moses. God took a Moabite woman and made her the ancestress of the king. God used a broke widow to feed a prophet through a famine. And then here comes this young Jewish man from the wrong side of the tracks, a town called Nazareth. And lots of folks missed the fact that he was the Messiah because he didn't start the kind of revolution that many were looking for. He died in an unconventional, shameful way, a victim of the system, crucified as an accused criminal. But now he was and is declared to be the Son of God and Savior of the world. Yes, God loves to use unconventional things and people to bring about God's purposes and the answers to our prayers. The writer of Hebrews is careful to caution us not to neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for we may be entertaining angels without knowing it. So the question that we must ask ourselves, as hard and as painful as it may be, God, in the midst of me praying and seeking this answer from you, is there someone that I've overlooked? Who have I ignored? Maybe God has sent us the solution, but because they don't come from the same neighborhood or from a different country or a different faith background. Now, let's, let's remember that God even used Balaam, who was not part of the congregation, to bless Israel, right? So... Uh, they may have a different faith background or education level or are differently abled or of a different gender or race or ethnicity or economic class, right? But the thing is, when we often pray to God for answers, God often packages those answers as people. God often packages those answers as people. God uses people. God often solves problems by using people. When God created the earth and was looking for somebody to run it, God created people. And when that world ran amok, God sent a person to come and fix it, right? So the relationships and the encounters and the networks that God has presented to us and has allowed us to cross paths with, we ought to pay close attention to that. Sometimes we've overlooked someone. Maybe we didn't, you know, for whatever reason. It does, you know, we can think of a million reasons why we could overlook someone. It may not even be for, a, it may not have been um, malicious on our part, but sometimes we just don't think about it. And it takes us taking some time in prayer and introspection and meditation with God and say, okay, God, open my eyes. <laughs> Maybe there's someone I've overlooked. It's amazing the people that God will send to bless your life. And so with, and, and frankly, the church, unfortunately here, they dismissed Rhoda's voice. And in that, they missed not only an opportunity to rejoice that their prayers had been answered, but they missed an opportunity to affirm Rhoda's dignity here. Because at the end of the day, no matter who we are or where we come from, we just want to know that we've been heard. That someone believes us and believes our story. I uh, saw a movie. It's been out for some time. Um, it's called The Family That Prays, and it comes on like all the time. <laughs> and um, in this particular movie, there was a, a woman. Uh, she's played by Alfre Woodard, the actress Alfre Woodard, and um, she is a she owns a cafe, and she has two daughters. And one of her daughters kind of sticks, she has a pretty 
good relationship with one of her daughters, and the other daughter has begun an uh, affair with a, a business exec who lavishes her with all of these gifts and to the point where she feels like she's better than her mom and everyone else. Well, there's a homeless man in, this, in the movie that comes to the, the woman's cafe for a meal and to use the bathroom often to get cleaned up. And he didn't look or smell the best, but the woman who owned the cafe, she always welcomed him to her snooty daughter's displeasure. Well, long story short, at the end of the movie, sorry for the spoiler alert, <laughs> uh, but the mom ends up selling her cafe and retiring because she's made some very wise investments along the way and now has a nice little nest egg. And it turns out that the homeless man that she opened up her cafe to was a former investment broker who had fallen on hard times. But he had been giving her investment advice when he would come in to get a hot meal or to get cleaned up. And because she took his advice, she was able to prosper. And so at the end of the movie, he's able to get his life back on track and do well for himself. And unfortunately for the snooty daughter, she gets dumped by that exec, exec and ends up broke and alone. And so... That's a lesson for us about paying attention to those that God has placed in our lives that we encounter every day. And we must ask God, and, and, and as believers who believe in the sanctifying power of the Holy Spirit, we have to ask God every day to sanctify our hearts and eyes and ears and ways of seeing and perceiving so that we don't miss an opportunity to receive from God and to affirm someone else. Because it's not all about us receiving, but it's a bilateral exchange. We receive, but we also give. Amen. So the second don't, so the first one was uh, don't uh, miss God because it doesn't come in uh, expected packaging. The second one is don't over-spiritualize. Don't over-spiritualize things, right? So, after they tell Rhoda that she's lost it, and that it can't be Peter standing at the door, and she's like, yes, it is. And they say to her, it must be his angel. Oh. Now, at the, at, the, at the time, there was a common belief that a person had a guardian angel, and sometimes this angel took on human form and appeared to people. Now, the idea of guardian angels, we're very familiar with that, but here's the thing that kind of got me about this response. First of all, their response is very strange for people who believe that an angel is actually at the door. I mean, it's strange that they don't immediately go open the door. I mean, if I thought an angel of the Lord was standing at my door right now, I'd shut this iPad, do the quickest benediction known to humanity, and get home. <laughs> but I digress that the real irony about their response is they were more ready to believe that an angel was at the door than a human being, the very person that they've been praying for to be released from prison. And, you know, as a child, I often heard the saying, don't be so heavenly bound that you're no earthly good. Anyone else ever heard that yes. saying before in some iteration? Yeah. So we often are looking for God to respond to us in mirrors and lights and smoke and <laughs> dreams and visions, prophetic utterances and handwriting on the wall, right? But sometimes God is just saying, Moses, use the stick in your hand and stretch it out over the sea. <laughs> Of a, an excursus, as 
macadamia, right? Which just means a rabbit trail. But <laughs> <laughs> well, we think about even the Exodus story, right? I mean, imagine is, Moses and the Israelites are panicked. I mean, the sea's in front of them, the army's behind them. They've got mountains to either side. I mean, there's no way to go, nowhere to go. And th what's the natural response? God help us! What are we gonna do? And God says to Moses, "Why are you crying out to me? Use a stick in your hand." <laughs> Somebody answered the door. 
And so when God does send us the answer, sometimes we can get discouraged when we share it with other people. We're excited about what God has spoken to us. We're excited about the fresh download that God has put into our spirit. And we start to tell people, we get excited. And sometimes we get people, oh, okay, that's nice. <laughs> right? You ever got that? It's like the letdown of all letdowns. You are expecting people to rejoice with you and be excited only for them to be dismissive and say, are you sure that God really told you to do that? Maybe you need to pray about that. Let's use some Christianese for a second. Responses, right? Maybe you need to pray about that a little bit longer. Right? Is your discernment okay? Is your... <laughs> Maybe we need to fast a little bit. What do you think? Right? <laughs> but Rhoda insisted, the text says she insisted, that the answer that they've been praying for was at the door. So when God does send your answer, you be like Nehemiah and say, we are staying on the wall and we are not coming down. I know what God said to me. I know what God spoke. And you know, lest um, anyone, uh, you know, lest I pre just preach at you, I hope that hope this feels more like a conversation. Um, I remember when I, uh, was got the call to come out here to move. I am originally from Maryland. Yeah, so near the Washington, D.C. area, home of the best crab cakes. I know that we've got great seafood out here, but still, Maryland crab cakes. So I remember when the opportunity came for me to move out to Seattle. I didn't really know anyone. Um, had never been to Washington State. And here's the funny thing. This is, okay. So... For years, I loved the show Frasier. And I think I had romanticized Seattle in my mind. The show. I've never been. I, and it's weird. I actually like the rain. I love rain, you know? Um, I think I'm good on the rain now. But <laughs> back then, <laughs> I mean, people would describe Seattle and they'd say, oh, the summers are great here. And I was like, oh, I want to get out of this Maryland humidity and, you know, all that. And so I had romanticized Seattle. I was like, I'm going to live in one of those penthouses like Fraser Crane. You know, it's crazy. Um, and so I had said, God, I would really love to move to Seattle. Never been here, right? Well, God was like, really? You really want to go? Okay. So a few years later, after I had uttered this, the opportunity came for me to move here. And I knew no one. And so I made the decision to move. And the thing about it is, I didn't have to do a whole lot of praying. And here's why. I believe in what we call front-loading. <laughs> when you front-load your prayers, you've been praying and praying and praying about a thing and praying for discernment and praying. Oftentimes, we need so many confirmations because we really don't trust the Spirit of God that taught us. If we're really walking with God, Right? We don't have to, well, God, is this it? And God is like saying, yes, this is it. <laughs> Hello, you've been praying for this all this time. Hello, I'm opening it up for you. Go, you know? And I had some folks that, you know, didn't want me to go, not because they, uh, you know, weren't excited about the opportunity that lay ahead of me, but because they were frankly going to miss me, you know? And I was all alone. I hadn't met this one. 
called me to be here in, C in the Seattle area. And so I took a step like Abraham. I left all of my kindred and family and everyone behind and I came here. And then probably two weeks after I got here, I met this wonderful man, New Year's Eve 2014. Hey. Yeah. Happy New Year. And, and then it was like, Happy New Year. <laughs> happy. And when I met him, and this is also related to answered prayers, right? I've been praying for a spouse for the longest time. <laughs> the longest time. And I was, you know, back in the God, where's my husband? Oh, I'm tired of being alone. I can't seem to meet anybody. I mean, DC is full. I mean, millions of folks, okay? Millions of guys out there. I can't seem to meet one, right? I moved to Seattle two weeks later, boom. This is <laughs> and so when we met, you know, of course, I remained prayerful throughout our courting process, you know, because sometimes you have moments when you're courting someone, you're like, okay, God, is this really you? <laughs> <laughs> but I really knew very early on that, like, the couple of days after we met, we had had a conversation on the phone for seven hours. Oh. Seven hours. And I knew when I hung up the phone that he was it. That who I had been praying for, for a very long time, that he was it. So it didn't take a whole lot of, um, you know, I didn't have to go on a 40-day fast you know, <laughs> to discern whether or not I felt that this was, because God, um, I don't want to spend too much more time, but God empowers us to make wise choices. God empowers us. If we could realize the level of authority and the level of wisdom that God has given us as believers who are empowered by the Holy Spirit, it's not just to make us feel good, to preach well, to sing well, to come in and fellowship, but the Holy Spirit empowers us to live everyday life and make wise decisions. And, be, and if we really grab a hold of that and trust that, our prayer, we could streamline our prayer life quite a bit, right? We could streamline it. I mean, I, and what I mean that is just some of the things that we feel that we have to talk to God about and lay before God, that we would say, you know what? God has already empowered me to make the, a wise choice on this. I can feel confident in moving forward that this is the right decision. And because of that, because of that, I feel that I, so far, <laughs> But, um, yeah, I, that I've made a wise choice. Uh, God has empowered me to make a wise choice in, in, his, in my husband. And I thank God for that. And I'm uncovering every day. We'll be married two years in September. But in, uh, I'm covering every day more and more reasons why I'm like, God, thank you. <laughs> this was a good decision. <laughs> so I want you to be encouraged today. That, as the scripture says, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is with us. The same God that called Abraham out of comfort into a place that he knew not of or had never been before. The same God that worked miracles, that parted the sea, that fed the 5,000 and plus people. All of these wonderful miracles that God has done is the same God. 
It's the same God that's with us today. We don't have to be afraid. If we make a mistake, if we miss God, guess what? Peter didn't stop knocking on the door. While all that conversation was happening, is it Peter, is it not? And Peter's like, ah. <laughs> Peter didn't walk off and go to someone else's house. And so God often works in cycles, you know? If we miss our God moment one time, thanks be to God for grace and mercy. And God says, hey, I'm going to give you another chance. This time, go open the door. So your answer is standing at the door today. Your answer is living in your roof, under your, under your roof perhaps, on your job, in your everyday interactions. It's already been given to you. Maybe God's already given you the plan, but you just need to act on it and implement it. Whatever it is today, be encouraged and be persistent. Don't let anyone discourage you. And this is the word of the Lord for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Yes. Yes.